Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us this week for all things evangelism. I'm here with Sharissa Fong, Tarosian. She's been for many, many years and she's now Sharissa Fong Tarosian, which is really cool. I actually am just Sharissa Tarosian now, but yes. I kept it on there just in case people couldn't find me. That's right. That's <laughs> got to be hard because you traveled preaching mm. a lot in your life, going to conferences and to the United States, to Europe. You have been a very demanded speaker teacher of God's word. The Lord has opened doors I never imagined he would. Yeah. And Sharissa, you're the prayer coordinator, just so that everyone knows, of our conference. And you also serve in Hamilton Church because you're the wife of the pastor, Justin, mm -hmm. there. Before, before this, you studied theology at Avondale College, but yes. even before that... You were traveling the world preaching. Before that, I studied at Macquarie University in Sydney to be okay. a high school teacher of English and history. I didn't know that. Yeah. But you just never felt led to teach? I tried it a little bit. I did some practical experience as part of that degree program, and I was out put in a school out in West Sydney where half the class of year nine boys were in the classroom because they'd just come off suspension and the other half weren't there because they were on suspension. <laughs> nice. And it was really hard to get some sort of consistency. I thought, no, this is not for me. And I chose to do that program, actually, the teaching degree, because I thought it'd be like preaching. And I loved communicating the gospel. And I thought this would be just about as close as it could get. But no, it wasn't really. It wasn't. I wonder if you are a teacher for many years, if you don't get to that point because all the other stuff might get easy mm -hmm. and then you might be able to focus more on your lecturing and teaching. That's true. I, you think? Yeah, maybe. And my maybe voice is pretty quiet too. So ah. <laughs> it was hard to be heard in the classroom. <laughs> With all the rowdy kids, all the ruffians. Yeah. But the skills from teaching are very mm. useful to preaching. So is that right? I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And so I'm interested because I heard of you. The first time I ever heard of you, I was in the United States and I probably traveled 15 to 18 times a year on a plane to go somewhere to speak. And that was more of a part of my life. I didn't have a job in a conference. I wasn't pastoring a local church. I worked for a conference as an evangelist and a trainer. And part of my job was just to go around and preach. And so I have a friend named Jay mm -hmm. Rosario, yes. and he's a pastor right now in Florida. And Jay, yeah, he's lovely. He just he called me one day and we were talking. Yeah, I went to this this conference and and there was this girl preacher from Australia. Her name was Sharissa Fong. And she just preached the house down and he was just really fired up about your ministry. And I've always been one of those people when I hear about other people, I don't really think much about it. I just go, okay, yeah, cool, nice. Mm -hmm. It's a big world. I've got lots of things to do myself. I'm sure that lots of things are happening out there that whatever, okay, cool. I'm not one of those people who talks a lot about people. Mm. But that was the first time I heard about you. Mm. This girl preacher... I remember when I met him. So oh, do you? <laughs> it was at a Cairns uh, youth conference. Okay. In, yeah, because yeah, he had come, but he had already heard you preach before yeah. then. You said you hadn't expected these opportunities. So, so how'd you get into that? Somebody just called you one day and said... A little bit like that. So I grew up in an Adventist home where mum was the one who took me to church every Sabbath. Shortly after my parents married, dad stopped going to church. And mm. so she kept us going to church. And I know that he was happy we were going because he knew deep down it was the right thing to do because he was brought up in an Adventist home too. But anyway, mum prayed for him for 25 years, by the way, and he was rebaptized, and our home was changed. And yeah, he's a different person today and I'm grateful. But going to church, I remember sitting in the pews as a little girl looking at someone get up the front and preach and think, wow, they're so 
brave to be able to do that. I thought, I wish I could do something like that. And uh, I would go home and I'd shut myself in my bedroom and we had a full length mirror in our room. My sister and I were sharing and I would preach to the mirror, whatever I made up and came to my head. And one day my sister walked in, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm preaching. And she said, can I play? I said, all right. So she did the song service, (laughs) did the welcome, said the prayer, special item. I would preach. And at the end, we'd both stand together for our closing hymn. And then I'd stand at the doorway and shake her hand and thank her for coming. And my dad, who wasn't going to church at the time, received a visit from our head elder or at the time who was a man by the name of Neil Schofield. Yeah, I know, I know who yeah. he is. So yeah, of course. Neil, he used to work at the media center. That's right. Yeah. And Neil came to visit dad. But as he was visiting my dad, the door to our room was open a little bit. And he saw me preaching to the mirror. And he filed that memory away. And he thought, one day I'm going to ask that girl to preach. And so years later, 2004, end of 2004, he approached me at church. And he said, Sharissa, Coralie and I, it's his wife, we've been thinking, we think the teens should run an evangelistic series. And I said, oh, great. And, and he said, we think you should be the speaker and that was wow because I'd never preached before in my life Wow! and he then had to convince the pastor and the board that this was a good idea and it took a bit of convincing but he's as a marketer so he got it yeah, through he's good at that. <laughs> and in 2005 I was part of that first series but that's just one side of the story mm-hmm. so I went to an Adventist primary school but then when I got to high school my parents put me in Covenant Christian School which is a multi-denominational Christian school in the northern beaches of Sydney and I was there and showed up to school one morning with my friends we were talking and the teacher English teacher walked past and she said have you got your speeches ready for English None of us had done our homework. She said, we better hurry up and get it done for class. The bell rings. We all go to class. And she's a teacher. She knows we haven't done our homework. So she writes all of our names at the top of the list to to give our speeches. And the speech that we had to give was one based on a book that we had to read. I'd read a book called Rachel's Tears about the Columbine High School shooting in 1999. And I was the brother of the girl in the book. It was a monologue, and so I chose to be her brother. And I got up, and I'm making this up. I was so nervous. And I remember year eight, making things up, and then I had a little light bulb moment go off in my head, and it was, why don't you make an appeal like the evangelists do in their campaigns? Because I've been at a church where this was done, and I thought, yeah, what a great idea. And after all, I'm just pretending to be the brother of this girl, so it's not going to fall on me. It's all pretend. So I get to the end of my speech, and I said, and now if you would like to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, would you raise your hand with me? And the class just sat there. I've never seen year eight class sit so still. <laughs> Nobody yes. moved. My teacher was at the back with her jaw on the ground practically. She mouth open. She couldn't believe what was happening. And finally, my poor friend in the front row, she was so embarrassed. She put her hand up and I leaned over the desk and I said, God bless you, friend, and sat down. And I wished the ground swallowed me up. I went home. I was so upset. Told my mom. I remember sitting on the kitchen floor just telling her about it, wanting her to put me in a different school. Oh. Too embarrassed to go back. But the next day when I got to the school, my friends had missed the bus. I was all alone and my teacher walks past. She says, Sharissa, walk with me. Walk with her across campus. And she said, that was an amazing speech you gave the other day. I said, really? She said, yes. How would you like to give it in assembly today? I've been talking with the staff. We would think the whole thing should be done in assembly today. I said, you mean the hands up thing and everything? (laughs) She said, yes, the whole thing. She said, you got 99 out of 100. I said, what did I lose the mark on? She said, you went too long. So I did. I repeated it as best I could. 
voted and changed the appeal for the assembly mm. and nearly every hand went up and it was a very moving experience for me but the teacher she saw something in me that could be developed for God's glory it wasn't an Adventist teacher just mm. a beautiful Christian lady and yeah she saw something that could be developed the following year nine student she put me in a public speaking competition to represent our school and I was very nervous because I'm actually a naturally shy person but I told her I'd go into this competition on one condition that I could talk about God. And she could have at that moment said, no, that's not going to really work in this. But she said, I think that's the very best thing that you could do. And I wrote a speech on eternity and the eternity that God offers to us. You, you probably don't remember this, but in the year 2000, the Sydney Harbour Bridge lit up with the word eternity on New Year's Eve. Anyway, so I no didn't one, know that. No, I was in the United States. Oh, it was based off a man named Arthur Stace, who for 34 years, he chalked that one word sermon, eternity, on the streets of Sydney. That was how he preached. There you go. You don't have to use words to preach. But yeah, so no one could argue with me talking wow. about eternity. And the night before that competition, I was a nervous wreck. And I remember I kneeling beside my bed as a 14-year-old and I prayed and I said, Lord, I can't do it tomorrow because I had practiced that day in front of the class and failed. But I said, if you get me through tomorrow, and then I stopped and I thought about it. I said, no, if you let me win tomorrow, then I promise you I'll speak for you wherever you open the door. <laughs> That's a good modification of your prayer. It was. That's very clever of you. <laughs> the Lord took me up on it. The next day, long story short, by a miracle, I won. And it was a miracle. I went into the next competition and next level and I failed every other competition. I never won again. And she put me in others just because she thought maybe I'd get through another time. Never won again. But it didn't matter. The promise that I'd made to God was if you let me win tomorrow, I'll speak for you wherever you open the doors. And so when I said to you before, doors that I never expected to open, I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that I'd have gone to many overseas even to preach and yet here we are and i'm grateful i know it's the lord that's awesome wow and so god did mm-hmm. so doors open and you this aussie girl what tell me about the first time you ever went and shared scripture like preaching overseas the very first time was actually gyc 2011 that was and the first that's time a, that's overseas. a youth conference in the united states okay and yeah that was an amazing experience so how did they hear about you I don't know, but I... So someone gave them your name, well, they listened I, to a sermon, yeah, I and they thought, okay, so this is a girl we can have. Probably. Yeah. I think 3ABN Australia may have filmed me as part of a youth conference program here, AYC, Yes. in the early years. And so then you spoke at AYC here. I did, yeah. Okay. And then someone maybe saw it, and then they said, we'll get her over there. So the AYC, it's known as a more conservative youth conference in Australia. That's what some people would call it, mm-hmm. like conservative. I don't know maybe what everyone means by that, but no. <laughs> that would be more like just a more modestly presented worship service with Bible preaching and not a lot of like show and lights and all that kind of stuff. So it's like a, like a non Hillsong youth event. Yeah. If you can put it like that, I know it was life changing for me. Yeah. It was life changing for me just to realize you're not the only one that wants to serve the Lord. There's other young people around here that also want to learn more about the Bible and they want to be part of the mission of Mm -hmm. sharing the gospel. It's very, yeah, it's not an entertainment based conference by any means, but it's, it was life changing. I just bring that up because do you think, because I had heard, I've heard people in commenting on you, like from this country, like in Australia, seeing you as an Ellen White kind of preacher girl, right? Like she's like a modern Ellen White kind of person. And they didn't say it as a compliment. How does that make you feel? 
I'm used to that. I've had many people tell me I think of make that uh, connection, which <laughs> is why I laughed when I was in Guam. Yes. Just preached at a, a youth conference over there in Micronesia, Ponape, which has the highest rainfall in the world. Mm-hmm. And the last night there in Guam, they were asking me, have you got anyone special in your life? And I said, no. And everywhere I was traveling, people were trying to connect you with somebody. You should marry my nephew. He works <laughs> in the chicken shop or something like that. Literally, yeah. that's what happened. And then they said, oh, no, we know the perfect person for you. I said, oh, yeah, who have you got? And he's the great grandson of Ellen White. And I cracked up laughing because it had never crossed my mind that she had descendants or anything. <laughs> and then they said, no, he's a nice guy. And they showed me his photo and I stopped laughing and they all started laughing. But it doesn't bother me. People will say people say all kinds it's of things. Tr- it's just funny so you got so there were people in our church that have made fun of you because they didn't for whatever reason you're the conservative girl preaching at the conservative youth conference and you're going to marry Ellen White's <laughs> great grandson which is cute really yeah. so it's almost like God is yeah they made fun of you but let me give you a really great husband it's great great grandson <laughs> and I feel very blessed I don't think about that detail anymore to me he's just Justin and it's funny because I'm, I'm not bringing this up because I like to be contentious but rather because I don't like when people dismiss other people and their whole ministry and their because they don't like perhaps a style of youth conference that they've come from. I just feel like that's really shallow and unkind. And so I've really, I feel sympathy when people are being treated unfairly and when false constructs are being placed upon people by others who don't even know them. Mm -hmm. So they just say, you're associated with that particular group. And so therefore you must be this thing. And so let me come up with this little dismissive like analogy for you so that no one will take you seriously. I, I don't like that. And I feel like that's hurtful and unkind and just not right. And so when you've got a sincere person who loves God, who's got a powerful story with Jesus Christ and who's been called to preach, and then they go to preach at a youth conference that certain segments of their church don't like, or some youth conference and some other conference doesn't like it because it's not Hillsong enough. And so then they just ridicule a young person who really they should see as their own spiritual child. And I find that to be quite offensive to God and to scripture and personally to me too. So Mm. I bring that up. I didn't plan to bring that up, but I just thought, I want to hear your feelings about this. But that's something that I feel is just really unrighteous, really ungodly, really unloving. If I feel like if we're in the church going to be big enough to be gracious to say the teenage kid who comes to camp and dances on a stage in their bikini, we should also be gracious to young people who want to listen to traditional music and have just a simple worship and run a conference. If we're threatened by that, we are not we really... We have we're not, we're not being Christian. Well, I shouldn't say we're not Christians. If, we're, if that bothers us, mm. we're definitely not in the spirit of Christ when we're being bothered by that fact. Mm. And if we demonize, that really says more about us than it does about a simple group of young people who are, quote, conservative. Mm. I, I, I just find that to be, yeah. Yeah, and in any line of public ministry, mm-hmm. be it you're a preacher or you're a teacher or whatever you're doing, you will attract criticism because it's just the way we are as human beings. Someone stands up and you have an opinion about them. But I think if I hadn't come from where, if my, if if I hadn't come into this the way I had come into it, I could have easily stopped based on the criticisms or based on the opinions. But because this is purely between me and the Lord, I made him a promise. And as long as I have life and breath, I'm going to try and do everything I can to be faithful to that promise. I promised him I'd speak for him wherever he opened the doors. And then that's up to him. Yeah. Sometimes when I get criticized by individuals, sometimes I think to myself, man, they could just come talk to me. And I would give them like 10 
other criticisms that are much, much better than the one that you're <laughs> criticizing for me right now. That's all they've got? Oh, boy. Come talk to me. I'll give you the real crit. I'll tell you what's really wrong with me. You know, that, that's good. It's a really good attitude. Hey, mm-hmm. you are tested by criticism mm-hmm. and your motives are tested. Is your motivation to receive the honor that comes from men or is it to receive the honor that comes from God? Mm-hmm. So you're choosing as a woman preacher, because that's what we're talking about today, women preachers, to, to not worry about the criticism that comes from people, but rather just do what you believe God is calling you to. And you know what's so funny? Would, would there ever be a conference or an event that you would say no to speaking at? I think I'd go anywhere that God opened yep. the doors. I used to have a dream that I would be able to actually, I thought, I actually wrote it down. One day I was having a really down day. Actually, I failed my driving license. I was like, oh, the whole world's falling apart, which it didn't. But anyway, I thought, I sat down and I wrote all the dreams that I'd like to achieve. And one of them was, if Hillsong ever invited me to speak, I'd go there and speak. Because it'd be a great opportunity to share. Totally. It's funny because I I spoke (laughs) at the AYC in 2011. That's where I first heard of you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I spoke there. And you sang there too. It was great. I loved it. Yes, it was. It was very moving. You and Cherise. It was beautiful. So sweet. Good mercy (laughs) on my croaking. So, yeah, I, in the life that I lived, would just get these invitations. Just invitation from, so literally, I live in California. I get an email from Germany. Hey, we have a youth conference. We'd like you to speak. I look at my calendar. My calendar's open. I say yes. So I get a call from Central America. We do this conference. We want you to come. I, have, I look at my calendar. I can come. I come. So my policy is you ask me to come and I come. That's it. It's real simple. I preach the gospel. I follow God and the doors that he opens. I would talk to the people and get a sense of what it was. And I wouldn't speak to support, say, a conference that was militating against the church or separatist movement or anything like that. But if it's a church in good and regular standing, mm-hmm. if it's a group of people who are members in good and regular standing, I don't ask questions. I don't worry about associating with the wrong part of Adventism mm-hmm. because my my political group won't like them. That was never any of my concern. And so I came and preached at the AYC. I didn't know who the AYC was. I knew that some guy named Johnny Wong had asked Dave Ashrick to come. And Dave told him, yeah, I got a friend named Matt, invite him to come. And I think he probably thought that was a mistake afterwards. But <laughs> anyways, so I came and spoke. And then in 2012, my wife and I come to work in North New South Wales Conference. And I discover, to my surprise, that a whole bunch of people have a view of who I am because I spoke at a youth conference that they had labeled a certain kind of thing because of their faction or their group of friends. And I just thought, wow, how crazy. These people should understand that I, as a speaker, so I get invited by the Gulf States Conference. I go speak to their kids. I get invited by the Auburn Conference. I speak to their kids. Auburn is considered liberal. Gulf States considered conservative. I don't care who invites me. I'll just come and preach, whatever. And so it's just really unfortunate. I think we lose a lot with the terms liberal and conservative. We should just aim to be biblical. Yeah, if you're going to use a term, it's probably good to define it. So it's really unhealthy to to make an undefined term mm-hmm. a pejorative or an insult. Mm-hmm. So you're so liberal, you're so conservative. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? You're leveling an insult at someone and you're inferring that there's something wrong with them or that they're bad people. You're doing that as a Christian, yet you, you haven't even defined what you mean by that. It's very unhelpful. It's very bad. So back to the women preachers. <laughs> Man, I'm just enjoying hearing your story a bit. You... What would your message be to to women who preach? Like as a woman preacher, like you're one of the girls who get up in, in front 
of the public and in front of the church, and you proclaim God's word, what would you say to other women who do the same, who do that brave work of standing up on God's behalf as a woman and sharing God's word? Do you have any words like encouragement, wisdom, mm. caution? I'm just thinking what comes straight to my mind. Probably if I thought about it longer, I'd, I'd put it in the proper order or anything. For me, every time when I stand up to speak, and as you said, you're speaking on behalf of God, that is an awesome, sacred duty. And before I touch a sermon and throughout it, I'm praying that God would guide my thoughts because it's a very, it's a very great thing to speak on behalf of the living God. So maybe keep that in, in focus as you are presenting. It's not about drawing attention to you. You are speaking on behalf of God. You are to point people to him. And the other thing someone said to me once, and I mentioned this to you before, there's someone said there's two ways of looking at women who preach. There are women preachers and there are preachers who just happen to be women. So my focus would be on the second one, just preach the word, uplift Jesus and let the chips fall where they may. People will make whatever they say. People have walked out of my sermons too because they don't like women preachers. That's fine. God bless them. <laughs> Hopefully someone sure. else will share whatever that they need to hear. But yeah, preach the word and that let that be your focus. Women can bring to preaching a different perspective, which I think is also valuable, which is more emotional. <laughs> That's the way God made us. And so we might uh, have different things we might see certain stories in the bible through a different lens that maybe a man might read it and might miss it or not see it quite the same way so together we help present a richness which is there in god's word this might sound superficial but do you think that there's something to the physical difference that has a different effect like the fact that women are physically different like female vocal cords are usually <laughs> like toned or tuned at a higher pitch yeah. generally not all the way not all the time obviously uh -huh. But in most cases, you know, the female voice, it's, it's different. It, it, it sounds different than the male voice. And I feel that can produce a different effect. It does. That's a good point. Some men have come to me and said, I loved your sermon, but can you make your voice lower? Oh, really? <laughs> it's oh. too high pitched for them. But then there are other people where I think just having a woman say something, if the man said the same thing, a man said the same thing, it might come across maybe more confrontational. Mm -hmm. But when a woman says it, it's slightly gentler, maybe more soft, and they're more willing to listen totally. to a harder message. Listen, I want to tell you, when I was first converted, and I've, I've told this story before, I was first converted and I was hearing a sermon from a woman named Carol. And she was one of these classical musicians who walks around like when she walks she looks like a queen she's just a very refined person from a very refined family and she gave a devotion at this mission school i went to and it was just so compelling and she spoke with authority and she spoke like she was telling me off but not yelling but she had such a, a disarming voice and just such a and it wasn't something like that she was trying to do it was just her womanness mm -hmm. and it had this really interesting effect on me where it, what happened was what you were saying she just rebuked the pants off of us we were just <laughs> in this worship and she was like she was like a prophet in how she was addressing us mm. but the way she did it the just the tone of the voice the kind of way she was carrying herself and i'm not saying that there's I don't box women and men into having to carry yourself in a male or a female fashion necessarily, but there was just something about her presentation that was disarming and it was different. And it allowed me to, it made it easier for me to accept what she was saying. 
because I felt like she was my mom. <laughs> and in, in males, what people don't understand about this, in males, in most males, there is an instinctual drive to protect and to defend. And you usually, when you're a man, have a strong desire to please mom. Like little boys love their moms if they have a mom who treated them in any way decently. They love their mom. They want to protect their mom. They want to listen to their mom. They want to make their mom happy. And you can't change that. You can't just flip your finger as an adult and make that not be the case. And so you hear a woman speaking God's word in the spirit of God. And instinctually, there's this sense like you need to listen. Mm. And it's not like this is mummy, but <laughs> it, it, it's that it plays off of that natural desire to listen to mom, to please mom. And it's, I guess maybe that's where the term mother in Israel came from. It's like you have godly women who speak to the people of God as an authoritative figure, and they're serving in the capacity of mother in the church. And they're preaching on God's behalf from a female perspective. And there's something special about that. Okay, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh And what, you know, the Bible says that at the end of time in Joel 2, that, what does it say? Your young men will have visions. Yeah, your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have to speak to prophesy. You have Mm -hmm. to. And prophecy is not just God gave me a a message and I'm sharing that, like personally. Prophesying is also, I take what God has said through his word and I proclaim it because I'm communicating the prophet's Mm -hmm. testimony. What do you say to a mom who's not a preacher, like in a formal sense? What do you say to, say, a woman who doesn't believe that women are ordained to be pastors or a man who does? So what do you say, so I guess what I'm asking is what do you say to women who are not in a position because of their conscience towards women's ordination or because of their particular circumstance in life? How do they preach? Preaching because you're every day, all the time. I think somebody said, I can't remember who it was, but preach and if necessary, use words. So actually, I just finished a Mother's Day sermon on Sabbath and mothers, what a wonderful privilege they have to raise their children to love and know Jesus. An angel could not ask for a higher task. It's, it's she's, The work that she does with her children and teaching them to love the Lord is greater than the king on his throne. She, mm. Ellen White says that. Yes. So I, I would think you contextualize your preaching ministry for your children. Yes. Yeah. I, I learned something this Sabbath. And before we close, I'll share this. And then I'll let you take us home for the final <laughs> comment in our discussion. And you parents out there will love what I'm going to say. Some of the things that I've learned in the last seven years, some of the most theologically profound truths have come to me through children's stories. Because when you listen to your kids' children's stories, what's happening is profound theological concepts are being reduced down to very simple language for the sake of kids. And the people who write children's books are oftentimes very deep in their thinking. And so we're listening to the story of Moses and his mom putting him in the wicker basket and setting him next to the Nile and then Pharaoh's daughter coming and, and, and finding him. The king had decreed the death of all the male sons and... Pharaoh's daughter would have known about this. Like she knows that Pharaoh's killing all the male Jews and preserving all the female Jews. Anyways, when she finds this particular male Jew and he's crying, her maternal instinct does not allow her to turn this child in and to to be executed. So I was thinking she has this instinct to preserve and to protect this baby child. That's her natural affection as a woman. And so her natural female affection, which is 
It's the instinct to mother. It basically resists the king's command to destroy the male child. Mm-hmm. And so she saves him. And in saving him, she, effect, saved the Israelites. So maternal instinct saved the savior of the Jews. And it was also maternal instinct that protected Moses in the first place by coming up with this brilliant idea to hide him down by the river and whether that was intentional or not. But it all happened. And so I just wanted to say that the scripture is filled with the testimony of the power of a mom and the power of a woman who is expressing correctly her maternal instincts. Like you said, the most influential people on the planet are women who choose to do a good work as moms, mm-hmm. to to bring their kids to Christ, to disciple their children. I think that's awesome. And obviously, nobody's saying that dads don't have a role in this as well. But physiologically, no one can deny that women are designed and equipped to nurture and to mother. Yeah, and as you were just saying that about Moses, baby Moses, I was just thinking about chapter one with the midwives. It says here, but the midwives feared God and they did not do as the king commanded them, but saved the male children alive. It's also amazing. It's awesome. Okay, hey, so thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. I want to have you on again to talk more about your story and women preachers. God bless you guys. I pray that if you're a man or you're a woman, you'll realize that God has called you to witness and to share in whatever way you can. And uh, don't let anything stop you from that. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.